Microphone check. Internets, welcome back to another episode of the Premium P Show. Before we get started with this week's episode, man, shouts to everybody who's been checking out the last couple of episodes, okay? It's a different world that we live in. Stay tuned because we're going to have a lot more episodes coming in different places. You know, ever since COVID hit, you know, I used to love the studio. I felt like um, I couldn't really, like that was like my uh, Superman going into the booth. Um, I had to be in the studio. I created in the studio. I made magic in the studio. Um, Then the pandemic hits and I'm like, man, I think I love portable. I think I love remote more than I love the studio. So be prepared that like coming up, like, you know, if I'm doing certain things with certain people and they own certain businesses, we're going to do it right in the middle of that store or something or whatever. Um, And just really get the feeling of the story and the journey because at the end of the day, if you've been rocking with the Premium Petro from the beginning, thank you. You know, if you're just joining me, listen, you never know who's going to be on the Premium Petro. Uh, it could be an actor, an entrepreneur, an athlete, an artist. Um, but more more so, it's not about the Premium Pete only. It's going to be about the journey and the gems I want people to learn. Like, if you come here, I want you to learn something, right? Appreciate you messing with Premium Pete. But at the end of the day, I want you to learn something, right? Um, maybe make it inspire you, you know, use it in your life. Okay. Cause that, that's what I want. Like, cause when, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't really there for me. Um, as a young creative, as a young, uh, not really person who, you know, knew the word entrepreneur at the time, but to somebody trying to figure it out like that. And, you know, just as a, a just a young person, not having a lot of advice or people telling me different things. So, Part of the premium Petro and part of my lifestyle and part of my positive attitude uh, is to give that to people um, because I didn't have it growing up. So anyway, listen, Internet, make sure you subscribe, rate, tell a friend to tell a friend. We're available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever. And we're on YouTube. YouTube, we're fairly new. Listen, a lot of people actually have been telling me, let me, let me tell people, we're an audio first podcast, Okay. We're an audio-first podcast, straight up and down. Now, we do put stuff on YouTube. Uh, some do real well, some don't. Um, you know, I I think it's the algorithm and figuring out how much we put up. But to be honest with you, we're an audio-first podcast. And don't get it twisted. Some people think like video, YouTube, there's not a lot of money on YouTube. You know, unless you're doing something like with a company or a brand outside of that. You know, you could do a million views. We're going to get like 2,300. Audio is gold. Trust me. Okay, you want to learn more about audio, you want to learn more about podcasting, advertisement, you want to advertise on the Premium Pete show, or you want to advertise on another show, I do that as well. Produce shows, listen, okay, there's too many networks out here, you got people one year in the business talking about their pioneers, fall back, okay, you want to learn about podcasting, email me, thepremiumpetshow at gmail.com. You're a big brand, small brand. You want to advertise on my show or you want to advertise on other shows? Again, email me, thepremiumpetshow at gmail.com. Now, internets, listen, uh, as always, sending peace and blessings to you and yours. The summer is about to hit. The weather is getting hot. Um, you know, a lot of people got vaccinated. Some did, some didn't. People, you know, wear a mask. At the end of the day, I feel like it's somewhat getting back to normal. People are out mingling. And, it, it, you know, I just had a company over my house a couple of days, man. It felt good to see people. It felt good to mingle uh, with the people I care and love about. And speaking about that, 
If you have someone you love or care about, check on them. I always tell you, especially parents or grandmothers or like as we're getting older, so are they. So take the time to check on them, okay? And never, ever stop believing in you. Internets, okay? Like I told you, we're going to have episodes. When I have them, I'm going to put them out, okay? I'm telling you, they're going to be good. We got a lot coming. We'll have a couple of trips coming up soon with the Premium Petro. Internets, stay tuned. All I ask is subscribe, rate, tell a friend to tell a friend. And when we have ads on the show, show up and show out. I appreciate y'all. Okay, this week we have the one and only. We finally sit down with the one and only J. Period. Okay, mixtape DJ, hip hop junkie, just a super creative. Okay, he talks about coming up in the mixtape game, selling the CDs on Canal Street, the art of storytelling through his mixtapes. I love the way you know he's really carved the lane, selling 200 of his Nas mixtapes out of his backpack in 20 minutes at Central Park. Some mistakes. Listen, okay. The Roots, Lauren Hill, Q-Tip, Mary J, always collapsed. His new project with Dave Chappelle, Internets. J. Period is a good fella. I don't need to say no more. Internets, I present to you this week's episode of the Premium Pete Show with the legendary J. Period. Understand, mixtapes are not a crime. Let's get to it. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the undisputed voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Cork McClam, Internets. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go. Internets, let's turn up. One time, Premium Pete. Come on, everybody, get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show. Internets, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Finally, sitting down with a, you know, actually, before we even get to it, um, it's so funny how a lot of people over the years think that me and him are the same person. <laughs> yo, I, I forgot how many people have tagged me and like, yo, is that Premium Pete? I'm like, no, that's fucking J period, man. It's not me. Blood Brothers. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. Back again. You know, the late, great Combat Jack, he, I think he was one of the first people to be like, yo, y'all look alike. Yep. You know? Um, when you came on the last time. Shouts to uh, Adam's man. Uh, Adam, Adam Man's Back. Man's back. Yep. How's he doing? That's man? the homie. He's doing great. I seen man. he put he's out working. a new book recently. Yeah, absolutely. He stays writing. He's writing screenplays. He's writing books. He's writing all kinds of things. Feels like forever ago, uh, we sat down, Combat Jack show, J. Period, Adam Man's Back episode. Um, it's crazy to see where we are today, where I am, where you are. Um, yes, indeed. You know, what a journey, man. What a journey. But forget about that for a second. Let's let's go back to an intro. Uh, producer, DJ, uh, creative, entrepreneur. We could keep on going on, okay? Uh, the one and only J. Period. Welcome to the Premium Pete Glad to be here, man. It's a long time in the making. Oh, of course. And right off the bat, <laughs> your shirt right here. Yes. It says, mixtapes are not a crime. Indeed. That's how we're going to start this show. Break that down, man. Man, I think to break that down, really, I got to go back to, yeah. the, to the beginning um, of where it started for me, which was in, in the mixtape land. And, um, you know, pause tapes as a kid, just sort of putting my best records together to listen to. And then my man G. Brown um, in New York in the early 2000s kind of put me up on the mixtape game. And next thing I knew, um, I was out on Fulton Street, Canal Street, pushing these things literally hand-to-hand, selling them to the vendors. Um, and I made this Nas mixtape, which was sort of the beginning of this blueprint of mixing interviews and music together, which became sort of my signature. 
And that tape sort of catapulted me out onto the streets of New York, slanging these mixtapes. Uh-huh. Right out the hood, <laughs> right out the trunk. Indeed. You know, you know, when you say, I want you to keep on going and telling why the mixtapes are not a crime story. Mm-hmm. But when you mention and you say that, you know, you're doing these mixtapes, was Clue doing them at the time? Was K-Slay? Was who, like, who was doing them as well, right? Did you feel like this was a business i mean in my era i come you know i think latter generations of of the mixtape game um and holding the banner you know still to this day but before me you know i grew up on ron g and mr c and you know, kid capri and you know those are the architects of this thing and then you know around my era was like you know big mike and green lantern mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know there was a number of other djs um i think smoke was another one down south um, and you know, it was just a, a really amazing time because I got to learn so much just by the way it worked. And that was, you had to hand to hand hustle them. You had to get out and talk to people and sort of hockey. It was your, your early networking. You yeah. Know? It would literally was my early networking and something I think a lot of people take for granted in the digital age is like those kinds of relationships, those that you, you know, seeing cats week after week and even going out to parties and seeing folks week after week. Those are the bonds that remain still to this day sure. for me in this game more than, anything else because you got to interact in that way and it was the same thing with hustling i would go to triple five soul and fat beats and put them on consignment Mm, mm. and that whole game um and and it really was a lot of life lessons and lessons about about the game of hip-hop um that i carry to this day for sure you know let's bring you let's bring you all the way back for a second um jay period where does that even come from um, um, I mean, you know, Jay uh, is the first initial of my name, you know, which is Joel. And and um, going back into my beginnings, I think I I couldn't take myself seriously as like a you know scratch master jazzy you know like yeah. whatever kind of name. And so I just went by DJ Jay. And um, you know, again, shout out to my man G Brown. Um, you know, one day it was like, yo, if you're gonna make mixtapes and, and put it down on paper, it's got to be more substantial. He's like, what is it, J Smoke, J Live, you know, Jay Z? And I was like, no, it's just J Period. And he's like, that's it. <laughs> so, and, so you were basically saying like J Period, like meaning just J. Yeah, like period, as in end of story, you know. And and that was also a thing where I was like, okay, that's kind of ill. Yeah. Um, and then you know, over over time. Um, you know, the, the DJ part dropped off because it would get confusing. It would be like, is it DJ period? Is it DJ J Like period? some people, like D-Nice, I feel like has that. It's like DJ D-Nice or is it D-Nice? Right. Like some people have names that make sense to that. So yeah. so, so, so you drop off DJ and it's just yeah, J and just period. J period um, becomes it. And, and, you know, that's, you know, the name that, that I think came out of that organic little interaction and it stuck with me. This whole time, so this whole journey. Yes. Well, I mean, there's so much to unpack. To be honest with you, you go back. You're born and raised where? Uh, in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Now, what did mom do? What did dad do? Um, both my parents were teachers. My mom was also an artist. Um, she uh, made pottery, and then she okay. taught that later on. Um, my dad was originally a folk musician. Like he moved really? from New York to LA and to pursue a career um in music and he had like a, at one point um an album out and he had a songwriter deal i think and then he ended up becoming a, a teacher um and so throughout my childhood he was a teacher and, and my mom also was a, a, a teacher did you ever go to him for any advice on music or inspiration or anything like that or it was totally different because he was in that folk world and you were 
Um, honestly, there's a lot of similarities, like more than you would expect. Um, a lot of the music that I grew up on, I think storytelling is a big theme. Um, and, and, you know, even sort of like, you know, justice and, and sort of civil rights, those are themes of, of that music. Those are things that made their way into, you know, my music in a different way. Um, and I think also everything was a song, you know, when I was a kid, my dad would sing songs for every situation. So music was just, everything had a soundtrack. Sure, sure. And um, and so I got a lot of different styles of music from, you know, my, my parents had different tastes. My sister is about five years older. <clears throat> Excuse me. My sister had different tastes and all that kind of I absorbed. And, and I just came around at this moment where hip hop was was really coming into the fold. And that, you know, just for whatever reason, drew me into it. You know, I saw Beat Street and it was a rap. I mean, Beat Street uh, just visually was so um, inspiring to uh, young kids like ourselves uh, at that time. Yeah. You know, when you think about you're a young kid living in L.A., um, you know, to... Now, both of, your, now both of your mom and dad, are they Jewish? Yes. So now you're, you're, born a, you're a Jewish kid, born to Jewish parents, loving hip-hop. I'm sure at the time, because I remember even like... My, I remember like my uncle or my aunt, and they used to be like, it's too loud. It's too, it's just rap crap. It's too loud. And I remember even talking with Ralph McDaniels about how like, yo, there was like radio stations that felt like almost it was like it was a fad, right? You know, mm -hmm. like it wouldn't last for long, right? Yeah. That it was just like out and it was like, you know, um, you know, something that probably wouldn't be around. And we look at it like hip hop runs the world. Yep. But anyway, as a young J, okay, period. Yes. You know, or even just as a young J, right? Yeah. You know? Before we even get into that part I'm talking, like, what was your first job? And also, what was the first hip-hop song that, not that you listened to, but the, that that, that kind of got you where, like, where you like... Because the reason why I ask this for is because when we go all the way today, mm -hmm. it's like you really embedded yourself um, in this culture um, through talent, through relationships... More so through talent, right? You know, you're just you're just very good at what you do. Um, and Cheers, thank you. No, of course. And 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 what I mean by that is like sometimes I feel like, especially like kids back then, it's like you know, you could you could get because you're not around so many people loving it as a young kid, and your parents or family has say over it. You could kind of like maybe just like all right, maybe it's not for me. Hmm. Does that make sense? You totally. No, nah, totally. I mean, look, I think a couple things happened. I think one was um, it came out, Beat Street came out at this moment for me where just the universe, like you said, visually, there's a whole world in there. And I, I was fascinated with it and I was fascinated with the music. And I also had a friend, um, a kid named uh, Roderick Washington who lived in Watts. And I would go to his house and we would go to the park and it would be like, you know, breaking circles at the park. And so I got to see a little bit of it like firsthand sure, as sure. well. And, you know, there's a little bit of exposure. And then there's this other thing where I would literally transcribe the lyrics of these records and show them to my my dad, who's, you know, the principal. Like early the genius? Same. No, like like my philosophy. Copy, like, copy. you know, like Beat Street Breakdown. I was just yesterday doing a, a something. No, with, I meant like yeah. annotation, like how genius does. You know, genius oh, that's yes. Yeah. No, not like that. Like I would just transcribe. This is pre-genius. Okay. Transcribe the lyrics as a way of saying, look at how important this wow. is. Wow. And and Beat Street Breakdown, you know, I, I just was talking about this yesterday. Um, I did an event with the Kennedy Center called Life in Five, where it was like, describe your life in three, you know, five songs. And the first one I start with is Beat Street Breakdown, because 
that song, it's sort of like Melly Mel is giving this like news report on the state of the world. Mm. And I heard that and I was like, man, like this feels like what my dad used to listen to, but in a different way. Sure, sure. And so I think that was how I started um, kind of showing them this universe. And, and what's really funny is you fast forward to today where I feel like my dad is as excited about this stuff now. Like he's really into it. There's things that he's found that excuse me, there's things that he's found that he really appreciates about hip hop culture as well. So I think it's this thing where, you know, your kid discovers it and then, you know, eventually you kind of, they open it up to you and you discover it. And that's been what it's been for me. I never got any resistance in that way. It just was like, Sure, my you know my mom didn't like the noise of it. Sure, but I would say or you know, the curses. She listened to the Rolling Stones. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. that was the same argument from a previous generation. So I you know I think it's it's a little a little pivot, but it feels familiar in that way. Um, and what it meant to me, you know, they couldn't deny it. Like I couldn't even explain it. It just was something that took hold of me. And clearly, you know, like you said, I'm I'm still here in that. You know. Exactly. Uh, now, when did they? believe in you if that makes sense like or or or, or and, and and it's so funny because it's so weird with your journey i feel like i i don't do this a lot but i, feel like <laughs> I have like two-part questions but yeah when did they believe in you right but then also when did you feel that you were arrived right that you're actually doing this shit because in the beginning i'm sure you thought like you know all right this is cool you don't know what it could be yeah you know i think i think I'll answer the second part first, and yep. that is that I don't know that I ever imagined it would get to this point. Like, sure. I just was a fan of this. And little by little, you know, I started, you know, just the way my brain works, I started wanting to pick the things apart and figure out how they worked. And then I wanted to try it myself. So it's, you know, it goes from mixing records to like, okay, I'm going to try this acapella on this beat. And then I'm going to try this acapella and I'm going to try to make the beat. And how do they do that? And, you know, just assembling it like that. So in those ways, I don't feel like I've arrived yet. You know, it's it's surreal mm. to me that people mm. look at me as an OG now because I'm still that kid. I mean, I know you can relate. You know, I'm yeah. still that kid that just wants to be in the room. And, um, you well, know, I, yeah, just happy to be in the room. Just too. happy to be in the room. And, and like, I heard most deaf, you know, talking about this recently where he was talking about how he was just happy to be in the room with De La Soul. And, mm. that, and you know, we think of most deaf as like up here, but to imagine a time where he just was happy to be in the room is a crazy thought. So I think that's the first part. The second part, or, you know, the way you asked it, the first part is that, you know, I think what I got the benefit of is my parents were sort of creative people in their own right. So they appreciate, you know, creativity. And I think also I had, you know, the freedom to explore in that way. Um, a lot of my, my education was kind of arts leaning education. So it wasn't like it was a foreign thing to them. Um, and I still think, you know, to some extent, you know, they, they don't trust that it's all going to work out. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Listen, parents, <laughs> listen, I get that. I get that. Listen, let me tell you something. Um, first half of my life, um, growing up in Brooklyn, just, you know, feel like a troublesome, trying to figure it out kid. Mm -hmm. Um, because of that, I feel like my parents are like, kind of like, well, you've been good for the past couple of years. This is years ago. I'm saying, yeah. And even when I do things like, you know, I went to Japan and they're like, oh, wow, okay. You know, but even one time I realized is that one of the, you know, I have the pasta sauce, but also uh, we, we, we came together, uh, Nikki Diamond, um, 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 
um, Chum Lee, Chris Jenner, Rob Kardashian. We made this hot sauce. Okay. And 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 put it out there. Very weird. Uh, and 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 a dude named Chance uh, uh, is involved as well. But anyway, very weird group of people, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember there was like a, a a deck, and there was a page on there that showed everybody's name, the founders, the co-founders. And I sent it to my mother and father, and I was like, you know, and they're like, oh, good luck. We hope it works out for you. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. You know, underneath the name of Chris Jenner, and right? Like, you know, and I'm like, yo, you know, I'm like, I, I felt like hey, that's an accomplishment, right? But also the same thing. To be honest with you, that's funny. Even with sneakers, like I used to always send sneakers to my mother's house because where they lived in Jersey, yeah, um, nobody would bother anything. Where I lived in Brooklyn, if I came home late, the package may be gone. <laughs> but the only problem is every time I go to my mother, she said they sent you another package. They should send you some money. You know? <laughs> And I'm like, Ma, don't worry about it. You know, what size did they oh send you? The same God. size they send every time. I love it. But what I'm saying is, there I is still, one moment. I still don't think they believe fully, yeah. right? You know, like they see me on TV, you know, with something. They see this, they see that. But it's like, yeah, I, I you know, like I, I took my mother and father out to eat. It was like a hundred dollars. I was like, I got it. Like, you sure? Like, <laughs> I got a 21 year old kid, right? But anyway, yeah. You know. Well, I, I will say this. There's one moment where I felt like I had arrived, and that was when I was in The New Yorker. Like, I did this project with Kanan where we basically, I remixed Fela Kuti, Bob Marley, and Bob Dylan um, with- Wow, you know, what, a, what a crew. I mean, trust me, that mixtape is is really something special, and Kanan is amazing as an artist, but- um, I think for for the you know the Bob Dylan piece was the one that the New Yorker kind of latched onto and they and it was called like you know I don't remember the name of the article but it was essentially about Dylan as like the first rapper so to speak because mm. I remixed a, an old Dylan record with um you know Black Rob rest in peace with a Ready Break beat um and so what ended up happening was once I was in the New Yorker I think to my mom you know because they they yeah, yeah sure it's, to just, the, it's like it's, a thing this is a big deal yeah so I think that one was a was a big deal I think also when I started working with the Kennedy Center um that one really registered for them you know in that way because it's you know that's like an American institution um so I think those are the things that that resonate but to be honest you know to your point earlier hip-hop wasn't destined for that trajectory you know like this was a thing that you know felt like a fad to people that didn't understand it and and now it's in the halls of those institutions sure, and sure. it's taken seriously in a way that you know like us doing it you know it's hard for people from a previous generation to wrap their heads around that this is a thing or that you know you can be premium pete and that's yeah yeah, enough. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you people know what i mean like people people don't understand this you know yeah, yeah. i you know i i'm trying to think of something it's so funny you just said that because i i i, I totally get what you're saying mm -hmm. And and I'm sure a lot of whoever's listening or watching this, and when they, when they do, I'm sure they'll get the struggle in being a creative, right? And and how sometimes people don't get it. And what I'll say to you is, even when people don't get it, you always get it, and you always believe in yourself because sometimes you know, 2010. I remember podcasting. I'm neighborhood friends of mine said, bro. You didn't go to school for this. Right. What are you, what are you, a character? Are you trying to be a radio guy? And I'm right. like, no, I don't know. I'm just, we're on this thing. And then, you know, the next question always is, okay, don't get confused by this, is, well, how much money are you making? And then at that time, right. there's no fucking money. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> nothing. And they're like, all right, you're an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, right. You're just wasting your time. And then I look at where that brought me. 
And there's so many pieces of life. But when I speak about a J period, I say to myself, man, even though you're saying you have not fully arrived yet and you still got a long way to go and we'll get when we get to the second chapter of your life and where that's going is so beautiful. But you have done a lot of things. I mean, as a kid who grew up in L.A., as a kid who just loved hip hop, as a kid whose parents gave him, you know, at least didn't give him no drawback, you were able to. I mean, did you ever honestly think like that you would be able to do things with the roots, with Black Thought, <laughs> with 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 Most Def, with with Q Tip, with? I mean, we could keep on going on. I mean, I'm just saying. These, I'm sure, were superheroes to you. For sure. And, and, and still are, to be honest. And I think the most fascinating part of my journey has been that every you know, sort of rung of the ladder I climb up and the people that I meet, I find out how similar their journey was mm. as well. So the people that we think of as these towering figures of the culture, you, know, you get in a room with them and you get a moment to just interact with them and you realize how they're just like yeah, yeah, us. Yeah. And that's, I think, the, that's the, really, the craziest part. Um, and, I, and I really, I, I do feel like I've been blessed in that way. I also think that, you know, the, the work ethic and all those things, those are all elements of it. But it's it really, for me, always goes down to the love that I have for this thing. And so I treat it with care like and respect. And people appreciate that. And, you know, I pay attention. And, and I think if you do those things, then, you know, it's like I always have dream those dreams. Internet's in, in the yeah, back yeah, yeah. of my mind, you know, rest in peace, combat, combat Jack. But, but that idea that you can, you know, dream beyond what you think is possible and get there is a is a crazy idea and concept to people that are on the uh, the you know the starting end of that um to be honest that's why i started you know my album which i'm sure we'll, you know we'll talk more about um you know as this goes on but that's why i started my album with this song all in your head because the song tells the story of sort of how you know um your doubts and your fears like you have to get past that mm. in order to try to sort of reach towards those things and that where you know those things are all in your head but that also the capacity to kind of reach those dreams and imagine that's also you know in your head um and so you know that's where my that's the story of my journey in many ways so that's why the album starts with that record because i think that's true for every creative is like pushing past all the people that are like you're doing what you're making how much money you know like oh yeah sure that'll work out and you got to believe in yourself and keep at it and and that's the thing is if you love it and you keep at it then you know you never regret it because you just get to do what you love of course but and also elevate right i'm sure there was a point in time where jay period felt like he was in his bubble Right. I mean, even though you loved it, like you maybe you didn't think that you would have the opportunity to work with this person mm -hmm. or maybe you didn't think that, you know, or maybe you were just doing sort of the same thing for X amount of years and mm -hmm. wanting to elevate. And sometimes that's a process. Right. And sometimes it doesn't happen when we want it to happen. Right. right. Even though we're putting in the work. What would you say was your first time you made money with, with something where you were like proud, you were like or, or it took you somewhere? Or it gave you the ability to buy something with your talent. Do you remember mm. that moment? I mean, you know, it's funny because, again, like I, I'd said different benchmarks, you know, going back to, you know. Mixtapes mix are not, not a, crime. a crime. So, you know, there's a way. So I grew up as a, a you know, a, in addition to loving hip hop, I was a little skater kid. I was from L.A. And, um, you know, this is like early Tony Hawk. You know, Christian Hasoy yep. days. I was right there in the midst of it. 
and skateboarding is not a crime was like a thing because, you know, in response to kids skating on all these, you know, railings and, and stairs and whatnot, they would put up signs like, you know, skateboarding. So it became this thing where like this, this culture, you know, so to speak, was criminalized, you know, and I saw that and I was like, well, you know, that's not fair. Like, and, and I think when it came to mixtapes, I had a similar feeling where I felt like what I was doing was true to the, the nature of hip hop. But other people are looking at it like it's illegal. You can't do that. You can't sell those mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just bootlegs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, you know, it took many years for me to feel like the money I made with mixtapes wasn't like street wasn't hustling yeah, money. It wasn't wasn't like drug shit or what? Just the same kind of idea as that. And wow, you know, I never thought about it like that. But yeah, yeah, and and it, and it it also took this sort of legitimacy of these artists co-signing me doing this to make me feel like these things were official. Sure. Um, but even there, it was a sort of a wink and a nod kind of thing where you know there were wars inside the record labels themselves between the marketing department and the legal department. Like I was sometimes were they coming at you, or? bro? Like I was sometimes hired by the marketing department, <laughs> and then the legal department would <laughs> come after me. I'd be like, "Yo, I have a W nine from you." <laughs> So, you know, like that was probably yeah, the first, funny, man. it's com crazy. So I, I'd say the first moment I really felt like that was, you know, I did the Nas mixtape just on the, like, mm, I, I actually, you can't even jump over yeah. that. I got to take you there. Okay. How does this Nas mixtape mixtape happen? Okay. So, so, you know, I'm in New York, I'm DJing in clubs and, um, you know, rocking parties. And that's kind of how I'm making my, my money, um, on the side of my day job, which is doing, you know, graphic design. And um, I have this dream of making this Nas mixtape. And so, you know, I, I have a friend, um, again, my, you know, my man G Brown, like he's supposed to go to this um, uh, listening session for Godson. And it's all college radio DJs. He can't go. He's like, here, you can use my pass and go as me. So I roll in there. And, um, you know, it's right after Ether and Nas is definitely feeling himself. And he, and he was my favorite at the time. He starts just telling stories. And I put my little mini disc recorder on the table and mm. I'm recording these stories. Classic. And, and I'm thinking, um, God, you know, I'd be ill. It would be so ill is to take those stories and mix them with the music and make a best of that's like that. So I go up to him at the end. And I just sort of pitch him this and I get a drop, you know, which is like, you know, all you need to do a mixtape at that point. You know, this is Nas with J period. This is the best of Nas. And I take that and I go and I put together this, um, you know, kind of idea of mixing the interviews and, and so forth together. So that's where, you know, my man Q Unique of the Arsonist, yep. shout out to Q Unique, um, who kind of, he, you know, brought me into the Rocksteady family as well. Um, you know, Q was in a barbershop in Bushwick and was like, yo, they're playing your Nas mixtape. And, and I was like, is it the original one? Because I had it only in, I think, Fat Beats and DJ Honda store at that time. He's like, nah, it's a bootleg. And I was like, oh shit, what do I do? And he's like, here's what you do. Go, you know, here, call my man, press up, you know, 200 CDs and hit Canal Street on Saturday and just go hand to hand. How much were those at the time? Five, uh, $10? I think it was five at that. It went from five to four to three to two to like, you know, we're doing starter hats and not CDs anymore. <laughs> like that, that was kind of CD comes with it. <laughs> yeah, we're right. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, it's funny to, to, you know, I go down to Canal Street. I lived down there now. It's like there's no mixtapes to be found. There's no CDs at all. So, you know, that was sort of how this got started. And and, and then that leads to this moment where Nas is in Central Park doing this show and I put a backpack with a box of 200, you know, on, on my back and I go up there and I'm literally outside like, you know, best of Nas. And I moved 200 of those joints in like 20 minutes and I, and I made like a thousand bucks. And that's where I was like, 
okay, I could do this. <laughs> and I went and pressed up, you know, another 200 and I was back on Fulton Street the next week and moved through them. The hustle was real. Now, the let me ask you, what about real. the artists? Like, what would they, like, how is, how would, who would you say is an artist that embraced you early on? Well, so here, here's what I, the, what I was getting to is this idea that when I start doing it, I'm doing it on my own and I'm doing it just, you know, on some mixtape shit and Nas and then I get a call from the Lyricist Lounge they're doing a tour with Big Daddy Kane they're like okay would you be down to do a Kane mixtape Kane was my other favorite so I was like of course so I do that then Kane mixtape you know blows up a little bit gets me a little love the Nas mixtape is in like the tail of the tape the hottest mixtapes joint and I start to get a little buzz and then I have this dream of doing a Lauren Hill mixtape you know because the Fugees were one of my favorites I have a long-standing story with Wyclef which actually leads to you know my album later in, in, in chapter three. But basically, what ends up happening is I decide I want to make this Lauryn Hill mixtape, and I make the mixtape. And the story of that mixtape is, is so crazy by itself that it leads to a place where I become her tour DJ after that. Um, I start getting calls to like do shows and, oh, can you bring Lauryn Hill with you type of stuff. And then what happens, you know, and where I was getting it with this is that then record labels start calling me and they start holding up the Lauren mixtape and they're like, can you do this? But for X or Y. For for artists on their on their label. So then that's how I end up doing the Roots mixtape. That's how I end up doing the Mary J. Blige so, mixtape. So, so actually yeah. uh, take us to the Roots mixtape. Mm-hmm. A J. Perry walks in this room and like, you know, meets the Roots. Like, who did you meet first where they're like, because meaning like, You've been around a long time, right? So that means, you know, even me, like sometimes I say to myself, it's like, I love, I mean, you, listen, you can't get it wrong with everybody, but I, a lot of my relationships, I love them, like, yeah, you know, and I'm for thankful sure. for them. For sure. And 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 sometimes you could only imagine when you go in the, like, you, what these people thought of you the first time they seen you come into this room, you know? It's like sometimes I'll come into a room, or, you know, and I'm like, you know, hey, you know, this, and you're like, what the fuck is this guy? You know what I, mean? like, <laughs> I definitely have got my fair share of that. I mean, yeah. I also, you know, I don't roll into the room and, and make my presence known in that way. Like I, I'm much more low key. What the fuck is up? It's J. Period. Yeah, you know, bitch. I, I I think like I've learned how to move in situations where you know I I, I sit back and watch first and see what's you know appropriate, sure, so sure. to speak. So I think in all these cases, I might have had one or two encounters. I might have seen Questlove at a party, roll up to him, give him a mixtape, keep it moving, and like that was my mo. Is like I would just give somebody something. And then keep it moving. And if I see them again and they remember, sure. then here we that go. That something was good. Yeah. And, and that's how I would roll. And thankfully, you know, what I was giving out was Nas mixtapes and Big Daddy Kane mixtapes, which, you know, next to the, you know, pen and pixel graphics, you know, girl with the bikini on the cover was like, oh, okay. You know, and like people would actually check them out and then they'd listen to them. And then that was, you know, it was a wrap. So that was how I moved through Mix Show Power Summit. You know, all the artists that would be down there, just like, oh shit, you did a Big Daddy Kane mixtape. Like, that yeah, one I'm going to yeah, listen yeah, to. Yeah, I had to check that out. You know, like, now, that now, now you mentioned Mary. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned the roots. Take us, because I, I was like, I had to ask you that question uh, about, you know, when you walk into the room and yeah. meet the roots. But the more important part of it is take us down the roots and Mary. Like, how did this happen? How was it? And, and 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 is this something that you even like? Did you foresee this to happen? Um, I mean, the the answer to that is definitely no. Okay. Um, but I also, you know, I never sort of stop and and project forward that much. Like I'm I'm always very much trying to just do the best I can do in that situation. So you know, with the roots situation, it was you know basically. Um, the Def Jam rep called me and and hired me to do this mixtape. So it was officially sanctioned by the label. 
And then, um, you know, I, I really needed like some drops, I think. Um, and then I wanted Black Thought to come in and do a couple freestyles. So that was my, my concept. So the Roots had been on this crazy tour and were, you know, sleep, sleep deprived for like two weeks. Um, I actually get Black Thought in the studio and, you know, he puts down some freestyles. He's too tired. He's got to go back to Philly. I then go back, go down to Philly the next day and we finish up doing the freestyles. So I don't know what it was about my energy or his energy, but I extracted from him some jewels that end up on that mixtape. And if you listen carefully, you can hear he sounds a little sleepy. But the crazy part was that that introduction to Tariq leads to Quest Love hearing the mixtape and going, yo, I don't know who you are, but if you could pull that out of Tariq, then I know you're for real. And that was my introduction to Questlove. <laughs> so, you know, it's like sort of like I came with like a little bit of credibility because of whatever the thing was or the, the mixtape, you know, whatever it was. And so that's sort of how I, I got with but the But you and Thought, Black Thought, yeah. um, have obviously a great chemistry. I mean, oh, when we look at it now and we pill back yeah we say that but go ahead so then you met well, yeah, question was like okay this this kid's official yeah i think it was that and then i think it's continued to be that you know when I, as i've given amir mixtapes like the march 9th mixtape he is one of his favorites yeah, yeah. he loves that, that is joint. A good, that's, that's a very good mixtape actually you know it's funny quest love man um uh, this is before the pandemic his birthday uh bun bun hit me and was like yo uh quest is having these movie Oh yeah, 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 and he rented out the movie theater, but he has the there. fucking sick thing that he did with the Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. So when they ate, we ate, and and the napkins had "Don't rat on your friends" and and uh, oh, he did it up shut right. your mouth. Yeah. And, and 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 I swear to God, when they were eating like linguine and quince, <laughs> we were eating linguine and we were drinking wine. And it was amazing. fucking incredible, man. That's amazing. I did the Saturday morning cartoons and I brought my daughter. So we yeah, were, okay. we were, yeah, we were, we were in the there. Day. We were in there and she was having more sugar cereal she's ever had in her whole life. And it was just a real... Yo, he treat. did like five movies that day. That was awesome. Honestly, I went back later for another one. I, I, I can't remember which one at the end of the night. But, um, you know, that, that, that story of how I meet Black Thought, now that you say it in terms of like the, the chemistry we have... Who could have ever thought from that moment it would lead to that? Like, it literally was just like, I did that. I then was doing a live mixtape at Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival where I used to do them almost every year, kind of impromptu. This was the first year we did it where I was like, okay, Black Thought, OC, Brand Nubian, mm. we're going to do a thing. Ralph McDaniels is going to introduce yep. it. And then we did that show and Tariq was Tariq. And someone in the crowd saw it and was like, I'm doing a festival in Toronto. I want to get just you and Tariq to do this. As it happens, that guy was a television producer who like had 16 cameras in Dundas Square, which is like miniature wow. Times Square in, in Toronto. And so that went so well that Tariq was like, all right, maybe we could do this again. And it kept being like, all right, maybe we could do this again. I always think of it with like the Dread Pirate Roberts and Princess Bride where it's like, you know, good night. Like I'll most likely <laughs> yeah, kill yeah. you in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It could happen. <laughs> it, it, like, you know, and I treated it like that. So every time I show up to this day, every time I show up for work with Tariq, it's like the first time I've ever been there and let's go. And I love that type of stuff. Crazy chemistry, man. There's yeah. certain producers, certain people, you know, artists and, and, and DJs or artists and producers or artists and creatives that have like, you know, honestly, I think like, even like Harry Fraud and French Montana, I just feel like they have something. Uh, they always have had, you know, and I think, you know, yeah. Harry Fraud is somebody um, he's that dope. I always thought was uh, underrated. But yeah, the point I'm making is, is, is you think about even, you know, Tariq, yeah. 
just what a talented individual. You know, I remember when he went on Flex and did that whole fucking forever. And he even actually mentioned combat in there. Yeah. Um, you know, saying like I think he said something like this right here is for combat. Mm-hmm. Um and the way he did it, man, that was so just just a real talented uh 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 you know, amazing individual. You know, I I don't think we fully even met fully, fully like that, but uh, there's definitely love and uh, roses there for Tariq, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, And, you know, I think to go to the Mary story, which is a a really an also an amazing story, um, this is kind of how I met my manager currently um, because she was working with Mary at the time. And, um, you know, she heard the Lauryn Hill mixtape and was Mm -hmm. like, I want you to do this for Mary. Um, And so she, you know, basically has me fly out to L.A. to the Be Without You video shoot. And um and and I get there and and it, she's like you know there's good news and there's bad news she's like um the good the bad news is I haven't told Mary about the mixtape like, she's like the good news is she's right over there and go pitch her oh my god and I and I and honestly my response was like I uh, like you <laughs> like that's the type of so stuff. good I mean so good so I rolled into the spot and it's Mary and Kendu and I sit down and I show her the mixtape and at that point it like folded out into a poster and it was a whole thing and i pitched it to her and she was like all right let's do it and that is how the mary j blige mixtape happened just so, like that so let me ask you because now let's get this is you know whenever we sit down we're gonna do a journey episode right yes. so people who know of j period you're gonna learn a little bit more yes you are even though you think you know him you're gonna learn a little bit more and people who don't know you you're gonna learn about him okay that's why they have this thing called google <laughs> and any any of these mixtapes I'm talking about, they're available on like yep, they're on my SoundCloud, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, yeah, Bandcamp. Make sure you check them out. You know when you mentioned the Mary and you mentioned uh, 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 what was the other one that uh, the Roots, uh, the Roots. You're young, right at this time, right? Mm-hmm. Young in the game, right? Yeah, least, for sure. Right? What do you even know? What to charge? Mm. Or how do you even know how to make money from this? Mm. Right? You know, I, I always use examples of my thoughts. Like I remember even like back years ago like as for me i didn't know what i wanted to do and i think when you're a person who's been around and moving but you didn't figure out what you want to do you you wound up hosting things mm-hmm. so i remember getting like a couple of gigs to hosting but then i was like i don't even know what the fucking charge <laughs> and then i was like wait if i at the time i was like if i could pay my rent for just hosting for like yeah one time i think that'd be cool and then i remember my friend calling saying you're fucking up the game we're getting five times the amount <laughs> you're taking it for this and i'm like well i didn't know right so you ever feel like that like, um you know it's funny I, I think in the early days um I mean, you know, I, I think there's some of that always when you're starting out of not knowing how much to charge and just being happy to be there. Um, yep. You know, I think a lesson I got early on was like, you know, to set your value and then triple it and then ask for that. Mm. And I was mm. like, say that one more time, set your value and then triple it and then ask for that. And, you know, what you'll find is how much the other party values you. And you'll also start to figure out where the threshold is. So I've had certain situations where, you know, I char I, I gave an artist like a you know a third discount off of what I would charge, and they were like, "Yo, why are you charging so much?" I'm like, "Bro, like I charge three times this much for real." Sure, sure. But but then in the early days, it was a thing of like, okay, if we're outside the label, I know what I can do with a, a mixtape if I make it and go out and go hand to hand. So when now we're inside the label, if I'm not allowed to go hand to hand in that same way, then okay, here's the amount that I need, and. You know, you know, it might have been five thousand the first time. It might have been ten thousand the second time. It might have been fifteen thousand the third time. And then it might have been, well, okay, now I've been in the rooms and I've heard the marketing conversations, and I know that anything above a twenty thousand dollar budget is a TV budget, mm. so they won't spend it on street marketing. So, which is where the mixtapes fall. 
So, so that's how I was able to kind of set my price. And then, you know, I would adjust it accordingly. If there was a project that I was like, I want to help this artist out, I'll do that for, for you. Tell me what you got and let's go. And I think there's always some of that in, in terms of it. But, you know, setting your value is a hard thing to wrap your head around because when you're young, you just want to be a part of it. You don't want to get taken advantage of, sure. obviously. You don't want to blow anything out of the water. Right. That, that, that's, that, that, that was yeah. one of my problems, yeah. to be honest with you. I'm glad that you're sharing that. Even like yeah. not knowing if you're going to charge too much. Or charge too little, and then you wind up feeling bad. Am I charging too much? And right. then you wind up like I remember the first, like one time I was telling somebody a certain amount, and they're like, "Sure," and I'm like, "Oh my god, I could have got more." Right, totally. You know, like, <laughs> like, like you know, it things like that happen. Yeah. But, but again, like you said, you find your way. You know, I do want to go over before we take a quick break. I do want to go over. I mean, y- you mentioned about Mary, the roots, Nas. Um, I mean, I I got to go down some of these names I wrote down. I mean, Big Daddy Kane we spoke about. The Isley Brothers, uh, um, um, Mary. I mean, and you know, and then also I had written down that there was a lot of film trailers, American Gangster, mm-hmm. uh, Street Kings, um, and then we'll go over to a lot more. But I mean, who is somebody that you worked with that is forever memorable? I mean, there's so many people. I don't want you just to put it down to one person, but who is somebody that you would say was a very, very honorable moment to uh, to you know make a project with it you know was it mary was it was it i mean my experience it it would be hard for me to rate them obviously because these are all luminaries to me but i think my experience with mary j blige was really incredible Um, i have such a great relationship with her to this day Um, my experience with miss lauren hill has also been incredible you know people say a lot of things about her but that has not been my experience and you know she's been so open to to me over the years that it surprises even me sometimes. Um, you know, Black Thought is another one where the way his mind works, I'm I just, you know, to be in the room for that is incredible. Um, you know, I think Q tip is probably the person who I revered most as a kid. Um, Tribe was my favorite group. True. So to get to be, you know, to get to work with him, you know, Tip held up the Lauren Hill mixtape and was like, can you do this for me? That's how that happened. That's wild. Wild, completely wild. And, um, you know, to get to work with him in any capacity was amazing. But then what happened again, there's been this crazy thing that's happened. Every time I did a mixtape with an artist, they would then ask me to be their tour DJ after that. So this happened with Lauren Hill. This happened with Big Daddy Kane. This happened with CL Smooth. This happened with The Roots. This happened with Q-Tip. And it, and it's a it's a thing. Um, and with Q-Tip, you know, I got to do a show, a Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival show with him where it was like Kanye and Busta Rhymes and Black Thought and all these amazing special guests. And in the culture... He, for me, is, you know, almost paramount. Like, it's like his tentacles stretch into every sector of the things I love. And and his descendants are all the, you know, the people I love. So many. So I think Q-Tip, for me, you know, has been a really special one. And I, and I got the, the chance also when he did his Beats 1, you know, show to be an assistant kind of producer on that for the first six months. So I was at his house once a week and just in that space. Tip. Come on. <sighs> yeah. So I, I think it would probably be there, you know, but, you know, I, I could say that about Questlove. I could say that about Lin-Manuel Miranda. We didn't know. even get to that, actually. Yeah. You, 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 listen, I don't I, I don't forget that you, you took care of that Hamilton mixtape, man. <laughs> Internet, you know what? Let's take a quick break. We're sitting here with the one and only J period, okay? Mixtapes are not a crime. Be right back. Believe that. Cheer. Today's show was sponsored by PDM. Pod Digital Media. Let me put you on to something. The number one multicultural podcast app is here. 
It's called PDM, Pod Digital Media. First black-owned podcast app there is. I want you to listen to shows from every single category. Sports, business, health, lifestyle, and culture. From the creators of color, download it today in the Apple App Store. Listen to new shows, and if you want to release a podcast, record and release it right from the app. Internets, do you understand? PDM, Pod Digital Media app, download it. It's available on the Google Play and the Apple Store today. And tell them, Premium Pete Show sent you. Cheer. Internets, today's episode is also brought to you by Chime. Do you know what that is? Hold on, let me put you on. Chime is an award-winning app and debit card with no hitting fees or monthly minimums. Okay? I love this thing. I'm using it, and I want to tell you what I really love about it. First of all, it's fee-free overdraft on up to $100 in debit purchases with SpotMe. It's like overdraft protection, but better. Okay? Now, you could get your paycheck, benefits, stimulus checks, and tax return up to two days earlier with direct deposit. You understand? Up to two days and with direct deposit. Plus, there's no hidden fees or monthly minimums. 38000 Fee-free ATMs all over with MoneyPass and Visa plus Alliance. You understand? Fee-free ATM machines, 38000 okay? I want you to join the millions on Chime. Sign up takes two minutes. Internet, when we have these type of advertising, if you love the Premium Pete Show, let's sign up today. Let's support them. Let's show up and show out. Head on over, okay, to Chime.com. That's C-H-I-M-E.com forward slash premium, okay? One more time. That's Chime.com forward slash premium. Trust me, I'm only putting you on to something that is incredible and that I personally mess with. Chime is a financial technology company. Banking services provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank, members of FDIC. Eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Overdraft only applies to the debit card purchases. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $100 by Chime. Early direct deposit depends on the payer. Out-of-network cash withdrawal fees apply. Third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. Go to Chime.com for more details. Today's episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwater and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and more importantly, affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Internets, let me put you on. HelloFresh offers over 25 recipes to choose from each week, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy, with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. You could try meals ready in 20 minutes or less, lightning prep recipes, and quick breakfasts and lunches, perfect for your busy schedule. Here goes another important thing. HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal without sacrificing the quality. Internets, I don't ever just tell you an ad just to make money. I got to believe in it. And I love HelloFresh. As an entrepreneur, it works with my schedule. And it doesn't sacrifice some fugazi meals. HelloFresh is official, great quality ingredients, and great recipes. Okay? Internets, I'm going to offer you something special. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash premium Pete 12. Again, that's HelloFresh.com dot com forward slash premium p12 and get 12 free meals including free shipping internets okay if you mess with the premium p show you want to keep the lights on you want to support what we do and you also want to eat healthy good and get 12 free meals free shipping go to hellofresh.com forward slash premium p12 and thank me later now let's get back to the show cheer 
we're back sitting here with the one and only Jay Period. Listen, uh, the first half was like a, a movie already, and we still have a lot to go. <laughs> you know, you, you, you've had a blessed career, and uh, you're still young enough to say the, the, the journey is still young. Indeed, um, for sure. You know, I, sometimes we'll bounce, you know, all over the place, so to speak, but when you think about it, that you had your hand involved with the Hamilton mixtape. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the, at the time, and still to this day, but at the time, I mean, very prestigious. I mean, so many people talking about it, so many, so many different hands in the pot, and then it gets done. Take us through how this even happens, because I remember hearing uh, when Jay Perry was going to be involved, I was like, it's crazy, man, because... Yeah, no, that, that's a, a crazy uh, story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'll tell you that it, it started um, with, you know, my friend Saul Guy, who was Canon's manager, okay. um, connected me with Riggs Morales, who at the time I knew from the source and so forth. So Riggs was at Atlantic and I get on the phone with Riggs and he's like, so there's this thing. And this is, you know, before Hamilton. He's like, there's this thing. Hamilton, this play, you know, it mixes hip hop and theater. You know, I, I think I think you just got to see it. You know, I want to send you to see it. So he sends me to see this right when it opens up on Broadway, like I think the first or second week. And I'm blown away, obviously, like everybody else who, who saw Hamilton. And then I just have this in my mind. And he's like, OK, so here's what we're thinking. We want to take the cast recording and we want to mix it with, you know, beats, and that was the original idea for the mm. Hamilton mixtape. Mm. So Hamilton itself, the play was originally called the Hamilton mixtape. So that framework was there and they wanted to do something. But this was at the point where they were just trying to market it to hip hop. Because they were like, you know, hip hop's not going to take this seriously. I had been involved with that Tupac Broadway musical where I did a mm. Tupac mm -hmm. mixtape to promote the musical, but the musical failed. It, it like six weeks and was gone. And so Hamilton was trying to come after that and, you know, right those wrongs. And so they're like, okay, we have to go to the hip hop community first, you know, rather than try to go sell Tupac to sure, the Broadway sure. community. So that was the original version. And my original demo was I took 10 dual commandments and I mixed it with Biggie 10 crack commandments. Mm. And you would be amazed at how well that went together. But I would never think that would be a mix until... Uh, exactly. You, know. you got to hear it. But like, this was my demo that kind of got me in the door. And then, you know, I, I am sitting there in that space while this thing goes and, you know, like blows up completely. And at that point, you know, I've, I've had the soundtrack. I've been listening to it. You know, I love it. And when it comes back around to me, the Roots are already involved as the executive producers on the soundtrack. And Atlantic is like, you know, Roots, can you put together a Hamilton mixtape? And because of my relationship with the Roots, you know, forged from the mixtapes, Questlove is like, no, 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 you need J period to do this. Mm. And literally hands me, you know, the, the, the alley-oop, you know. <laughs> so um, what happens is I go to Electric Lady Studios where the Roots are working on Endgame, um, which will be their, you know, their next album. And... Basically, uh, Questlove calls up Lynn on FaceTime and he hands me the phone. He's like, here, you guys go figure it out. Mm. And I walk in the other room and I sit down in the corner of Electric Lady and Lynn's on FaceTime. And, um, and he basically says, okay, so how, how much do you know about the play? I was like, oh man, I saw it. I love it. It's amazing. He's like, how much do you know about the soundtrack? I said, I've been listening to it for six months. I know this backwards and forwards. So he says, all right, I'm going to send you the list uh, you know, of songs we've done. Um, and here's what had happened. In the meantime, they'd gone to all of these huge artists and, who are all fans of Hamilton, and they got them to do covers, basically, of the songs. So the mixtape was no longer like, let's take the cast and put it yeah, on yeah, beats. Sure, sure, sure. It's like, Alicia Keys is yeah, going to yeah, re-sing yeah. this. 
And that's so, pretty crazy. Totally crazy. And the arc of Hamilton is, you know, you could do a whole hour on just that. But what ends up happening is that, you know, Lynn sends me sort of Atlantic's version of this is like most popular artists first, second most popular artist second, and that's their track listing. His version is much more in keeping with the play. And I'm like, all right, I got an idea. Let me sort of, you know, sketch you out something and I'll send you an outline. So I start typing this thing up and I'm like, this is never going to work because they're not going to understand what I'm trying to explain. I have to make this thing mm. as a demo. So I literally sat with headphones on in the corner of Electric Lady from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. And I made the blueprint for the Hamilton mixtape out of these songs they'd sent me. And so by the following day, you know, I sent it to Riggs at 5 a.m. or whenever I was done. By the following day, you know, it's been sent around to Atlantic Records and they're like, new plan, this is the plan. And that's sort of how it happened. And, you know, what's crazy about the Hamilton mixtape is that probably 90 to 95 percent of what's on the finished product is was made that night, you know, when I was there. Um, there's a couple other sort of funny side stories where like I, you know, I, I did a demo kind of mock up of the news announcer at the beginning of Immigrants. And that was for Lynn to record that part. And when he heard it, he's like, I don't know, that stays. And so I my voice is on. The That's Hamilton mixtape cool. in in that way. Um, and and again, on my album, you know, I, I make a little cameo in the same way. I mean, these are these are, you know, just bucket list things that you're checking off your career as you go. And, and, and you know, we'll go to it now. Um, we'll, again, we'll bounce around, you know, th that that's just sometimes what we do, you know, yeah. throughout your times of your life. But even now, you talk about you do the Hamilton mixtape, and then all of a sudden, there's a new project you're working on that's coming out right now, mm -hmm. you know, or or if you're listening later on, it's been out, okay. Um, there's somebody narrating this thing. <laughs> Goes by the name of uh, Dave Chappelle. How the fuck does this happen? <laughs> and tell tell the internet what's the name of this project coming out, when it's coming out. And, and and honestly, just take us down how this thing even transpired. Um, well, it's called Story to Tell. Um, it, it is uh, chapter one is coming out. It's coming out in chapters. Chapter one is coming out April 30th. Um, the first single is out now. It's um, Dave Chappelle, Black Thought, and Tiffany Goucher, amazing singer who I met through Jazzy Jeff in the Playlist Retreat. And, you know, Story to Tell is sort of the evolution of me telling stories on mixtapes and, and in those cases, I'm telling other people's stories. Sure. And so Jazzy Jeff kind of challenged me to say, well, okay, if, if you're going to tell your story, how would you do that? And, and that's where this album originated. So it's not that it's like my you know, biographical story. It's sort of the story of my journey in hip hop. And it's woven together, chapter one, like a storybook. Um, so Dave Chappelle is the narrator. Um, when I was a kid, I had the book and record sets. You know, when you hear this sound, turn the page. Yep, yep, yep. So it's sort of inspired by He's that. He's like Teddy Rupskin. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So I had like Star Wars and, you know, all, all of those um, back in the day. And so, you know, my dream was to make one of these storybooks, um, book and record sets. And so that was kind of the blueprint. And, you know, when I started making my album was five years ago. And if you leave me alone in a room with an NPC, I'll make my best version of Mob Deep Beats because that's like my shit. Ah. And, you know, I, I realized that's not necessarily my story. And so, you know, Jazzy Jeff, you know, in addition to challenging me, you know, he created this community of artists called the Playlist Retreat, where um, every year we would gather at his house and just vibe off of each other. And all the artists... Um, that I started collaborating with were from Playlist. And then it started to turn into a whole other thing, you know, getting in the studio and collaborating with people 
you know, their talent amplifies and, and suddenly we're making these amazing tracks. And so I had to rethink what I was doing. And, um, you know, when I would make these puzzles of my mixtapes, I would lay all the puzzle pieces out, like all the songs, all of everything, and I would just assemble it. In this case, I had to make the puzzle pieces first. So in the course of doing that, um, you know, I am introduced to Dave Chappelle by Jerobi from A Tribe mm. Called Shouts Quest. To Shouts to Jerobi. Um, and so the night that I'm being introduced to him happens to be the night before Hamilton Mixtape is announced as a Billboard number one album, which is obviously, you know, first time that's ever happened to me. And um, and so Jerobi introduces me to Dave and is like, this is Jay Period. He's going to have a number one album in the country tomorrow. And Dave's ears perk up. And then he's like, wait a second, Jay Period. He's like, you produced my favorite Q-Tip mixtape. And mm. I was like, what the, you know, like I had the same reaction you had, like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> and, and so, you know, what started as this conversation in that moment, you know, the, the number of times that I got to be in the same room as Dave Chappelle from there, he would always say to me, I'm still thinking about, you know, that idea of collaborating with you in, in some way. And so, you know, this summer in the midst of the pandemic, um, you know, I I kind of hatched this plan by way of again Quest Love, who was out with Chappelle in Yellow Springs, to go out there and to record him as the narrator. And I literally put my kids in the car, wife in the car. We drove nine hours across the country to this area where he was like COVID testing everybody on arrival. Everybody was COVID tested. Everybody was good. You were COVID tested before you leave every two days. You know, it was a whole thing. And so that was kind of how I I left my little you know cubby <laughs> sort of you know, that I've been stuck in throughout all of the pandemic. And it led me to this place where, where Dave actually recorded this piece and has been so incredibly supportive of this project. It's even, you know, more amazing to me than anybody else. You know, you mentioned something to me off air and, you know, you could tell me if I'm able to say this, uh, if it stays internets, then uh, I guess you heard it. But I think like Chris Rock was like on FaceTime with Dave or something like that or... Well, yeah, I, I, you know, explain I, that story because I, I, yeah, yeah. So I've been going, you know, back and forth to Yellow Springs over the course of the last, um, you know, month basically to work on a project with with Dave that that will be coming out. Um, you know, so you know the the nature of that I can't really go into, but the sure. point is that while I'm there, um, you know, DMX passes, and that night at the at the shack, which is sort of Dave's clubhouse in Yellow Springs, I play a DMX set. I'm just you know getting my emotions out. Uh, for myself and he hears it and he's like you know what like i'm not gonna let another moment pass without telling my heroes they're my heroes i gotta go to q-tip's birthday and so that's the following night and you know basically dave brings you know Kwali and me and you know uh, paul you know from his team and we fly up to new york and next thing i know i'm in the room with q-tip and chris rock and buster rhymes and bradley cooper and fab five freddie and mark ronson and it was a trip and it was a trip, not only because of all these people assembled, the RZA was there, you know, which was amazing. It was most a trip for me because I walk in the room and I actually know half the people. Like I know Ronson from DJing. I know Fab Five Freddy from various things. Yeah. I know Busta, you know, like a tip, obviously. And that was the most surreal thing for me is that I'm now in this space where I'm rolling with these guys and and no one's looking around like, why is he here? You no, know? Sure, you're a and colleague, like, you're a peer. That it, but that's a surreal thing, I think, for me. And and so I, I definitely don't take it for granted. And um, you know, that night was incredible. You know, just getting to watch Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock interact. Like they did a detour to the comedy cellar and got on stage and did this little impromptu thing. And I was like, yo, this is crazy right now. 
And um, yeah, like that's been the last month of my life leading up to this album release. So I feel like we're on a we're on a good path. You know, something you said and 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 that you said when Dave was listening to or whatever, or he was telling someone to check this out. And that what what I got from it is it showed that he was proud yeah. of of what you guys are creating. So I'm sure the internet's uh, are, are in for a treat when this comes out. Yeah, for you know? sure. And, you know, I, I think, you know, for Dave to introduce me as, you know, this great mixtape DJ or however he actually sort of put it is incredible for me. You know, it's like, I think any of us that, that you know, get into this game that are serious about it, you know, the, the thing you wish for most is for the respect of your peers and, sure. for, and of your heroes. And I think in that way, you know, I look at my journey and I just marvel at, at the, the, you know, like you said, the bucket list, you know, of those things. It wasn't as if it was a, a checklist that I was like, I got to do this, I got to do that. I think just being true to the culture and to what I do and being serious about it has ended me up in these crazy places. And I, you know, even I don't know where it's going next. So yeah. Well, we it's, going so, it's going somewhere special. I'll tell you that much. You know, when you look back, it's funny how earlier on you said how mixtapes were looked at as like taboo or criminal or or or, or street type. You know, it's funny because I feel like sometimes even sneakers, when people used to customize them, they were looked at as fake. And I remember even people like Clark Kent, um, you know, who's a fellow uh, tremendous sneaker lover, uh, who's a pillar in that community. Um, as long as you don't put blood in the sneakers. No, but it, yeah, no, it was like it was like you know they would change your color. It was like yo, those are fake, right? right? Because they were customized, right? Right. But now you look at it like customized, and it's from really amazing right. customized. For out sure, there. I had this ill pair of Scarface Air Force Ones that I got on Canal Street yeah. that still to this day are the illest. Yeah, I'm saying, but now it's like they're now they're accepted, and now there's like real life. Like there's kids mm. like a friend of mine named Mosh. Like this guy like does them for LeBron and the Giants and the Vikings every week. The wrestlers. Mm -hmm. You know, you got this guy named JBF Customs. I mean, incredible. I'm talking about the stitching croc. Like, yep. But back then it was looked at as like, eh. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think that, again, that's sort of true of the culture in general where these things weren't taken seriously. You know, they become big business and then suddenly, you know, people take it seriously in a different way, whether it's sneaker culture or um, or hip hop, you know, as a whole. And, you know, I think all of these things, like as we go along, I love seeing those things get legitimized in a way because there's so many people like us that love and appreciate that shit. So, you know, it's like before when it's a fad or it's this or it's that, no one takes it seriously. Now it's like hip hop is a global cultural phenomenon. Sure. It runs the world. It runs the world. And, and, and in, in that way, I think it gets respect that it didn't get back then, which is dope. J period. When I say that name and you think about your journey and all these years, what would you say are some of the components that got you here to where you are today? Because, you know, a lot of us always look back at the mistakes we made instead of looking at them as lessons. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, there was ups, there was downs. I'm sure the shit has been a roller coaster ride for you. For sure. What would you say, especially to people who listen, another creative, doesn't only have to be just a mixtape guy or an artist or a producer, just you've been hustling for fucking 20 plus years. <laughs> yeah. What 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 would you say is, is something or, or or some attributes that, you know, that worked well for you? Um I mean, look, I think some of it is just kind of native to your personality. Like are you a person that likes adventure? Like are you a person that looks at scary things and goes the other way or goes towards them? I think I've always been the kind of person that goes towards them. You know, for better or worse. I, I think that's definitely some of it is just 
you know, being brave about something that you really are passionate about. I think that's probably the hardest part, like we talked about before, of defying all the people that are like, oh, that's not going to work out. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, I always go back to, especially with this and with music, with hip hop, is I just love this shit <laughs> so sure. much that, you know, it's sure. like I didn't plan on doing this for a living. Um, but because I love it so much, I never had kind of ulterior motives. You sure, know? Like sure. I just wanted to be a part of it. And I think, um, again, as I've risen through the ranks, I hear that as a recurring theme among people um, that that have, you know, achieved a certain sort of level because they're not doing it for the money, you know, so to speak. I used to say, when I was asked to give advice to young creatives, you know, my advice is don't do it for the money because it won't be worth it. Sure, you sure. know, like if you wake up in the morning and you want to do it, you're going to do it. So I think, I think those are definitely important things. You know, I think also, especially in my experience, just being like an honorable person, you know, and having sure. integrity, sure. you know, like Goes a there's long way. so many sharks in the water. And, you know, those people sort of define themselves and, and eventually get their just but, um, you know, for me, I, I feel like the relationships I have, whenever I start a relationship, it always continues to thrive because I treat these things with, with respect and with care. So, you know, I, I would say that it's not like there's a formula. I've certainly gone the most unconventional path imaginable for anyone <laughs> in my position. But, you know, I think it's the, all of those things. And, and it's also to some extent there's just been an aligning of the stars around some of these things. Every project I've ever done that I felt like really affected people, there was some moment that was completely outside of my control and was amazing. And, you know, that moment told me I'm, I'm on the right path. Sure. So, now, now, now yeah. when, when, did, when did you... It's funny, as we wind this episode down... Um, it's so, sometimes... You know, I've been doing podcasts for so long, sometimes I hate it. And you know why I say I hate it? Because you cannot get someone's story yeah. in an episode an hour an hour and it just it just it you know it, and that's why i tell people in this day and age google right if you don't know of somebody right check things out check this guy's projects out you know one thing i like is that you have like this 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 mixtape genre that you know kind of like was almost looked at as like taboo a little right and it's like you made a fucking career off of it and then transcended it and springboarded off of it. And I think that's inspiring to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that you're still going, you know, and you're still respected. And you're respected by those who are respected. And I think that says a lot to, um, you know, who you are as a person. So, one, you know, um, hats off for that and just giving you your flowers for that. Um, Appreciate that. You know, and, 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 and let people know again. A story to tell. Yeah. Where will that be? That'll be on SoundCloud. It'll be on Spotify. It'll story be on to all tell. DSPs. All DSPs. Story to tell will platforms. be on all DSPs. Um, um, it's it's on sort of my label, but it's distributed by BMG and E1, so it'll be everywhere. Um, you know, we've got a lot of amazing things around story to tell that are coming out. Like I said, I'm I'm doing an actual book and record set. Yep. Um, you know, chapter one features you know Dave obviously as narrator, Black Thought, Tiffany Goucher. Um, Masego, another incredible wow. artist um, with Shad, an unlikely pairing um, in a story about a basketball game that's based on a, a true life story. Um, and Jamel Hill is the courtside reporter in the game. 
And yeah, then, I heard her on that. Yeah, and then um, and then Joel Ortiz and Lin Manuel Miranda on a record that kind of flips an old Puerto Rican salsa sample, which is a lot of fun, um, and a lot of you know additional jewels coming as the chapters unfold. But you know, I'm just really enjoying the ride of all this because it's the first time I've gotten to sort of create in this way collaboratively with all these amazing people. And, you know, I'm blessed to be able to tell my story with all of these amazing storytellers. Um, and that's, you know, kind of was my goal for this project is to sort of tell my story without telling my story, you know, specifically, but, um, you know, to kind of show people that journey um, that I, you know, that I've been on this whole time. And so, you know, I'm excited for the album and, and I hope everybody rocks with it for sure. Yeah, I, th I mean, definitely. I think, well, first of all, I'm going to let people know you make sure that you go check this out, okay? It's on all DSPs. You go to J. Period's Instagram. You can go to his website. Go listen to me, okay? You'll find this thing. The thing that I love more importantly is that when we think about J. Period and we think about all he's done with mixtapes and all the collaborations and projects he has worked on, um, you know, I want to I, I want to ask you this. How many times has there been where you were like, you didn't want to do this shit anymore? Mm -hmm. Or you really thought about possibly say, I, I know this may sound weird saying this, but like giving up, right? Or just doing something different, yeah. right? Have you ever had those moments? And the reason why I asked you this for is because here's a guy who's so zeroed in, has had like this like weird career where it's just like... <laughs> You know, I, sometimes I feel the same. I'm not a mixtape guy, but I'm like, I'm in rooms, I'm doing yep. things, and I'm like, I think it's this is true. what I love. For sure. Right? This is what I breathe. This is what I eat. Right? This is what you do. Um, I don't know. The reason why I say that for is because maybe I'm just more mindful of the people. But I know sometimes when people look at people, they think like we're not normal. That we don't have times. Or where that it was feel, easy. Yeah, yeah. Or that we feel like we don't feel like depressed about something or we didn't know how to power through something, right? Keep in mind that you could have came a project, a, a mixtape you were working on and you could have lost somebody in your family. Yep. And and and, and, and it could have been hard to finish, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could have been like, you're like, yo, fuck this shit. How have you got past that? Has there been any moments like that? Man, I honestly feel like my career has been a series of of like running into the wall, falling down and getting back up and running into the wall again. And, and it's like continuing to try to break through the wall. So, you know, if I would add on to the list of traits, you know, one of them is just persistence, you know, like persistence and patience, you know, like, you know, I think that's the thing is that not everything is going to happen in your time. You know, there's a record that I'm doing with Marlon Kraft, you know, who's a, a young upstart who I, I love, who um, the record is called In Due Time. And it's all about how, you know, things happen in the time they're supposed to happen. And I think that that's another thing that's true is that, you know, we try to tend to push and, and, and rush sure, things. Sure, and sure. You want it to happen on your time. And this has not happened according to my sure, plan. Absolutely. I wanted this to happen five years absolutely. ago. But the thing I will say is that because it took this long, all these things have aligned to make it bigger than it ever could have been. So I think that's another real lesson of this is that failure is not the end. It's the beginning to me. Mm, it's like mm. if, if I hit the wall, it's a gem. It's a gem. for real, like if I hit the wall and you tell me I can't do something, I want to do it more now and then i'm going to work even harder and i'm going to find a side door or a window like we're going to do this one way or another and i think that that attitude right there is probably the, the, the secret ingredient of all this is not giving up for sure you know bro you're speaking to, you're speaking my language you're speaking to choir you're speaking to the the gospel you're this is not even a sunday and this guy thinks he's pastor j period now <laughs> um Yes, yes, all of that. And uh, I think that goes to show the character you are. Internets, listen, 
um, support support a lot of these projects, even the old ones. Go back and dig in them and check them out. That's the thing too. I love when people dig in the catalog, mm-hmm. right? Go back. You'd be surprised what somebody has done. Um, and then with the new stuff, right? Like this Dave Chappelle narration, right? And just the story to tell with with all these different. And I can only imagine how it's going to grow. Oh yeah, as it keeps on going. Yeah. Like I remember heard him when he's like, "When you hear this noise, you know, turn the page." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is dope." <laughs> but anyway, listen, you cannot put your whole episode into. I mean, one episode is impossible. That's why I have, I have to come a, back. I have a thing called the return. Yes. So I usually do a return. The first one I'll do uh, somebody's journey. And then the other one kind of catch up where they've been. Okay. But it usually takes about a year to do that. So listen, it it was a pleasure, an honor. Um, I'm proud of you. Um, Thank you, you, bro. No, honestly, uh, 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 just thanks for all your contributions. Internet, support him. A good brother, talented brother, creative brother, the one and only. Mixtapes is not a crime. J period. That's what it is. Peace, my brother. Yes, and thank you. Of course, of course. Yeah, man, thank you for having me on the show. And, you know, again, I got to shout out Combat Jack for introducing us um, and for all that positive energy he put out into the world. You know, rest in peace. Yeah, he's still watching over us. So uh, yeah, we'll, no c- doubt. we'll continue to forever dream those dreams. Indeed. All Peace. Right. Oh, yeah, that boy J period. What a great episode that was. Internets, listen, okay? Mixtapes are not a crime. See, listen. I love journeys like that. That's why I tell you, never ever stop believing in you. Now, peace and blessings to you and your families. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and tell a friend to tell a friend about the Premium Pete Show. More importantly, don't forget about PeachPremiumPastaSauce.com. Again, PeachPremiumPastaSauce.com. That's right. If you don't know, I have my own pasta sauce out. It's great on everything. Ravioli, spaghetti, uh, uh, um turkey chili with spaghetti anything like stuffed peppers meatloaf uh pasta pizza internet peach premium pasta sauce keto friendly gmo free vegan all natural it's a listen okay a hundred year old family recipe i'm so excited i'm speaking to stores i'm praying that we could get in some stores we're already in a bunch of delis around the uh, east coast Internet's PeachPremiumPastaSauce.com. Go check it out. And I told you before, and I'll tell you again, you want to advertise on a Premium Pete Show, big brand, small brand, whatever, email me, ThePremiumPetro at gmail.com, and we'll get to working. Peace and blessings. Make sure you add us on Instagram and Twitter, at Premium Pete, at Premium Pete Show. Check in. I love when y'all let me know where you're listening from. And peace and blessings, you and yours. I'll see you next episode. Cheers.